0: hello my lovely hummingbirds on today's episode of pop culture we will be discussing some topics that are sensitive to some listeners such as suicide please listen at your own discretion i love you all so much and enjoy the episode bye your girl Monroe, and you're listening to (laughs) Pop Culture. How's it going, everyone? On today's episode of Pop Culture, yes, we are doing two episodes a week, as I mentioned. Mondays will be, which I know last week and this week, it did not happen on Monday, but that is more because Medical leave and making appointments and time just disappearing type of shit. Also, everything else going on in the world causes chaos. But yes, we are doing episodes twice a week. Mondays will revolve completely around the latest news, what is going on, what is trending, artist interviews, and Wednesdays, which this is supposed to be a Wednesday episode, but that didn't play out the way I wanted it to this week. (laughs) Wednesdays will solely be about ratings, movie reviews, concert reviews, album reviews, any type of review, we're reviewing it on Wednesdays here at Pop Culture. But you know, the way that it played out, hello July, it is my birth month officially we are eight days the countdown starts now eight from 28 and i am going through a crisis but (laughs) all that aside today we will be rating we will be reviewing a show that i discovered on netflix sort of (laughs) if there is one thing that we absolutely love here on pop culture it is horror And other podcasts. I particularly love horror podcasts and like fiction podcasts. So, (laughs) found a show on Netflix titled Archive 81. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. What is this? And came to find that it is a show based on a podcast, which absolutely, here for it. I still have to listen to the entirety of the podcast itself to do a comparison, so I'm sorry we're not going to be doing a comparison on this episode, but saw the show, binged it in a day. It was so good, but unfortunately, it's one of those shows that Netflix just went ahead and did dirty. Anyway, (laughs) the show is titled Archive 81. The synopsis of this is really, a film restoration genius, Dan Turner, is hired by CEO of LMG, Virgil Davenport, for a restoration project that, well, quickly turned spooky and a little too close to home for the young film restoration genius. The episode list is as follows. Episode 1, Mystery Signals episode 2 wellspring episode 3 terror in the isles episode 4 spirit receivers episode 5 through the looking glass episode 6 the circle episode 7 the ferryman and episode 8 what lies beneath now four mystery signals here we meet dan who is working at a museum in New York, uh, the first interaction that you have is he's going to a person that sells old VHS tapes. He's selling, like, all this antiquity stuff, right? We learn that he recently went through a breakup, takes the tapes, is restoring them, finds some good movies type of thing. Then we... (laughs) see him you know he goes to work and he's approached by one of his co-workers she's like what are you watching and he says it's the circle it is a film created by oh my god i can't remember his first name <laughs> but his last name is crest and she and she's like oh He did Phantasmagoria, and he's like, yeah, that's right, and he's like this, and she's like, I've never seen this before. He goes on to explain it was never released. Enter Mystery Signals, the podcast, (laughs) which is hosted by Mark Higgins, who is Dan's best friend. Dan and Mark, super tight, super close relationship. During that interaction with his coworker, he was informed by her that he had to do a different restoration for their boss so he goes ahead does it is told that it is confidential not to make a copy as soon as i saw that i was like bro make the copy like <laughs> he's an artist of course he's like you're telling me not to do it nah suspect so <laughs> goes ahead makes a copy when he gets a call from his boss, because he does it so quickly, she's like, I'm very impressed, blah, 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 and he's like, look, honestly, I don't think this is something the museum would be interested in, like, I don't get it, she's like, oh, no, it's for a very important, (laughs) important, impotent, (laughs) very important donor of the museum, and she's like, by the way, Mr. Davenport wants to thank you in person for this, right, so, Goes ahead and meets up with Virgil Davenport. Now he basically asks him, you know, I want you to work for us. What do you think? The payout is for a hundred K at an isolated compound that I own. And I'm sitting here like CEO of Giant Corporation is asking you to go to an isolated location (laughs) where you're going to be restoring who knows what. So, he ends up, you know, investigating who this Melody person is, what is going on, because she's moving to a building called the Visser, and everything that he's viewing, he's viewing through her tapes. So... Offers him the job. And he tells him, you know, I picked you because of your experience. Your family also died in a fire, correct? The Mr. Apartments, apparently, from what we know at this point, is that they burned down in 1994. It is 25 years later from that happening. So. So. <sighs> <sighs> Obviously, he freaks out. He's like, how the hell does he know about my family? Talks to his best friend. He's like, oh, the internet. And he's like, no, I've checked. It's nowhere. This is all already very strange. But then he goes, rewatches the copy that he took of what he was told he should take. And realizes that his dog when that he had when he was a kid is in a picture that Melody owns, that is stuck up on her mirror in the tape. Fast forward to episode two. So obviously after he sees that, he decides that, okay, fuck it, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Which I mean, 100K sounds nice if I'm being honest. I wouldn't mind 100K. I would be so out of debt right now. It'd be great. Pay for hospital bills. It would be amazing. It'd be phenomenal but not the point. So, quickly finds out things are not what they seem. I just started having technical difficulties and I'm gonna need my mic to cooperate because we will not get creepy while I cover a creepy show. We're just not doing it. So, (laughs) when I tell you this show moves quickly, it does. Like, every episode, It's just back-to-back-to-back with information, and you really do have to really focus because everything ties into everything else, so episode two, Melody's moved in. She's trying to get people to talk to her. She can't, right? No one wants to talk to the new girl. She spoke to John Smith in the first episode, who is the building management guy, and She's like, fuck, I need to talk to people. Like, I want to find out about the history, quote-unquote, of the Visser and why people move there and all this stuff. It's bullshit. She is on the search for Julia Bennett. Now, who is Julia Bennett? Well, at this point, we are informed that Julia Bennett is a historian that went missing and her last known address was the Visser. <coughs> Sorry, I need my water. (laughs) I grabbed my coffee instead. (laughs) So we find that out and she meets Jess, who is a 14 year old tenant living in the building with her mom at the Visser. And she runs errands for the entire building. So obviously, (laughs) Melody gets super excited and is like, okay, fine, I need your help, and she's like, I can pay you, she's like, how much, 25 bucks a week, what 14-year-old kid doesn't want 100 bucks a month plus everything else she's making, so she does everything for the tenants, whether it's walking their dog, taking out trash, you know, stuff they don't want to do themselves, they're paying her to do it, where is her mother, you ask, uh, at this point, I assume she's like working or at church, Uh, there's reasons for my assumptions. So, season two, we are introduced to Samuel. He is a tenant, professor at Columbia, and lives in the quote-unquote penthouse of the building, which really is just the top floor, is his wording of it. And you also meet Tamara Stefano, a composer that was born in Italy, moved to New York. She is now composing an opera called Purgatory. And, oh, God. So, in the beginning, very, very, like, it just moves so quickly. In the beginning of the show, there's a point where Melody is falling asleep, and or she is sleeping sorry she's sleeping and she starts hearing this like humming noise and this tune and when she goes to tamara's to interview her she's like i heard this and tamara's like that's not possible i had a show at the sanctuary last night and she's like no no i oh she's like it must have been someone else sure enough Gets up, answers the phone. She's talking to somebody. We don't know who she's talking to. I assume it was Cassandra or Samuel. That's just my reasoning for that. Cassandra, different tenant in the building. And the music starts to affect Melody so far to the point where she passes out. And it is fucked up, right? Why is it making you pass out? Why is this like music so damaging to her later that night she is invited by samuel to go with him to see Tamara's show at the sanctuary she agrees to go obviously the music is affecting her again they leave and they have this whole moment because basically sam caught her trying to Seal someone's mail because she gets to interview Beatrice, who is the building medium. She is a tarot reader. She's a spiritualist. And that's the thing about like a lot of people in the building. They're all artists, very spiritual individuals, like something, something, right? There, There's something that they all do in the realm of like espiritismo so she also tells her (laughs) that she hears noises at night and she's like do you know about the sex cults in the community room and she's like sex cult the fuck (laughs) and she's like yes i hear them the moaning at night and i'm like sitting here like damn girl First off, where's the community room that everybody in all these floors is hearing it? I know vents are a thing, but damn. Can't y'all, like, seal them bitches up like, a little bit, put some, put some, like, soundproofing in the, algo, but. (laughs) So, she tells her that then she does a tarot reading for Melody. She's like, oh, cut the deck for me, and she's like, oh, it's just for fun, Um (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing. I also read tarot, so when she was like, it's just for fun, I'm like in a slap in the face from the universe. That's what it is. And she's like, we're going to do a past, a present, and a future. And the three cards that come out are the three of swords, the hermit, and the death card. So the first one turns it over Three of Swords. She's like, oh, you went through a lot of suffering in your childhood. You had so much pain, blah, 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 blah she and then hermit card and she's like oh she's like you know you were in a very dark place you were very isolated but you're searching for something for someone and they start talking that's when julia bennett comes up and she tells her to basically go check the mail because this one tenant always has mail popping out of the mailbox and that she's like been there forever so she might find something there And she's like, let's look at your future, shall we? And then the death card comes out. And, like, they both freak out. And she's like, no, don't worry. The death card has many meanings. Which is true for tarot. It does not always directly mean physical death. It has a lot of different representations. Like, transformation, almost. Anyway. Love that part. So, (laughs) that happens. She goes, whatever. Dude comes her friend shows up, Annabelle, who is a painter, and her roommate back in Boston. She's there. Her and Sam are going to have a nightcap. <laughs> and he leaves them alone, leaves the bottle of Jameis in there. They obviously, you know, have a welcome after she confronts her for giving Dr. Turner her number. And her Bessie is like, oh my god, did you fuck him? I'm like, Why is that the assumption that she fucked her therapist and now she's running away from him? Okay. (laughs) So. mm, Then Melody wakes up in the middle of the night because she hears that noise again. She goes to the community room and sees a bunch of tenants huffing in a specific rhythm. Yes, like that in a very specific rhythm to a statue in an armoire and obviously all the key players we have met so far are there tamra cassandra samuel that's it beatrice was not there but all the rest of them and a few other tenants are also there it's a whole thing she goes because she's thinking sex cult right then obviously has to hide because everyone is leaving. She goes in, tries to open the armor. And Dan, who is watching this video, because mind you, this is all from Melody's perspective, but Dan's view. So I know. So like trippy. Video starts to kind of glitch. He thinks he sees a face in it. Freaks out, right? Melody then has to hide. Because here comes Samuel and Tamara. They do their thing. They're smashing. She's, like, hurt and, like, kind of heartbroken. Like, oh, my God. What the fuck, right? Goes back to the apartment. Obviously tells her best friend. And it's already, already such a disaster. Episode three, we get to meet Father Russo. Well, we already met him, but more in depth. (laughs) My God, and that's when they find out about Kylego, which is the demon slash god that is the deity that they were praising in the armor. Father Russo is trying to help Jess's mom with Jess. So at a point, Melody interviews Jess, who then ends up having a seizure and it really sad and when which i'm not gonna lie when it first happened because the way that she stood up i was like oh my god she's possessed this is real <laughs> she, it's a demon show this that's what's happening but then like she falls to the ground and she starts seizing and i'm like oh shit like she's not okay but i see that what's happening right and gets up continues the interview the interview basically started with just telling mel that she was born at the viscer in the stairwell because her mom didn't get to make it out of the building in time and she's like do you think it's bad luck and she's like i think it'll make one hell of a story right that's when she then like stares off into space and starts having what melody believes to be an epileptic episode her mom is under the impression that she has demons inside of her that need to get out, which pisses me off, right? <laughs> Immediately, I'm like, why? 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 Just why? And that's where Father Russo enters a little bit more aggressively into the scene because Melody ends up going to church, right, to speak to him, what he knows about the viscera all of that, and Jess starts to have a seizure, then and there, and Melody's like, please, hurry, call a doctor, and he's like, no, no, I got this, says a prayer in her ear, and then, like, she calms down, and, which, ah, there's, there's just so much, there's just so much, and obviously, Melody goes, and Annabelle's staying with her at this point because she's like you know obviously something's wrong right but she's like no I missed you and I want to be with you and which I have thoughts but we'll save that for the end. So enter Samuel's first heroic act. Melody and Annabelle then go to back to the building right and they hear that the tv's really loud because they want to talk to jess and she's banging on the door and out comes tamra and she's like that priest is fucking deaf and melody's like what priest and she's like father russo every time he comes that TV's blasting all the way to queens they kick in the door and they see father russo performing a pseudo exorcism on jess and he's basically pouring holy water down her throat while her mom is there holding her down jess is obviously begging for her life like mom please melody intervenes she's pissed and then samuel comes in and makes him leave and he's like go and tells tells jess's mom i know i have so many fellows at columbia I can get a children's neuropsychotherapist to help her. I can cover all the costs, blah, 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 right? He apparently is getting all this money from being a professor and a translator, and I'm just like, damn, interesting. So, (laughs) first heroic act. And he apologizes to Melody and says, I am so sorry, I should have, you know, stopped this sooner. At this point, Dan has started to communicate with Melody through the videos. I know, what the fuck, yes. Started to communicate with her. He tells Mark, his best friend, who is basically... (laughs) His Watson throughout the series that is helping him do all the research that he can't do on his own because he is being watched by Virgil Davenport because of all the cameras that are within the compound. He tells him to go find Melody. He looks for Melody, finds fake Melody, goes to meet her, a person that basically took her identity. Now, because he began communicating with her through the videos, is what we see but it's so weird it's so trippy because there's a point where (laughs) she reproaches him like i was waiting for you you didn't show up and he's like i'm so sorry this is what happened like i'm like i couldn't make it right and he's watching a video interaction she puts down the camera and they were supposed to share a pineapple fanta (laughs) at the little convenience store it's so cute like they're so into each other but it's like (sighs) oh my god my heart anyway she's like oh my god you made it and she's so happy to see him and it's like such a relief and annabelle starts fighting with some guy off screen we can't see who it is we can't see what's going on so she goes to sell it like save her and then cassandra tenant from the fourth floor shows up And reaches through the camera to grab Dan by the throat and starts choking him. Tells him to basically, like, stop and leave it alone. And he wakes up. On to season four. The introduction of Caronite. Which is apparently a mineral derived from the meteor, uh, Charon which is supposed to be the name of the ferryman that takes the souls into the underworld, right? So, and this is the part that I forgot to mention. The beginning of every episode has a little clip. It kind of serves, like, back in the 90s, those infomercials that kind of happened before every show, especially, like, late-night TV and stuff like that that's pretty much what happens here and the beginning of each show the introduction is very catered to the episode it's super super detailed very interesting how they set everything up so dan gets up is going to grab some food and when he pulls something to clean off the wall he realizes that it's hollow starts tapping on it realizes it's really hollow breaks into it finds a secret room where there are all these files i know sketch that's also where he finds the church that is in this compound all very very suspicious and again he's talking to his bestie ray who is helping him but there's no cell service in the compound, so he has to hike through the woods to a specific point to get service. And he's walking, listening to the tapes, sees Melody, and he's like, what are you doing here? How'd you get here? She's like, I don't know, and then disappears. So, enter Bobby, the groundskeeper. And He's like, what the fuck, realizes it's nighttime, and she's like, are you okay? Like, you've been just standing there this entire time. He goes back to the compound to a very angry landline call from Virgil Davenport saying, you know, when I had a paper route and I was delivering, everyone had their thing. You have not delivered. You never did an upload for today because he's basically restoring and digitizing the tapes for him, right? Right during all of this he sees Melody again and she's sitting in this room on the bed and she's holding a notebook and she's like oh you really love soap operas don't you and he's like what and she's like this notebook isn't it yours and he's like no that's that's not mine I found it and she then sees that you know, he has something of hers, which is her notebook, and she's like, how did you get that? What did you, have? what did you do to it? And he proceeds to explain to her that she's dead and that she died in a fire at the Visser. and she's like, no, I'm not dead. No, that's not real. And he's like, I'm trying to help you, please, but you need to leave the Visser." So then, later on, when he is restoring the tapes... He finds out that Annabelle and Melody spoke with Cassandra, and she speaks to them about spirit receivers. They're basically artists that use other world entities that communicate with them, and they see spirits and all this stuff, right? Trippy as fuck. Of course, what would be a Spirit Receiver episode on any show if there wasn't a fucking seance? (laughs) So, Cassandra is holding a dinner party. At the beginning, The Circle, the film that he restored, was sent to him by the daughter of Mr. Crest. Her name is Evie Crest, an actress, who is in Melody's video of the seance because she had commissioned some artwork from Cassandra, from her late Eleanor. Eleanor was the spirit receiver. She was Cassandra's lover. They took the name because back when they had moved to New York in, I think it was the 70s, they couldn't openly Be vocal about their sexuality and live together. So they said they were sisters. Everyone believed they were sisters. Except Annabelle, who looks at. (laughs) Who looks at Melody because they're in the elevator. And she's like, Mel, they were lovers. They weren't sisters. And she's like, when? She's like, yeah, they took um, each other's. Or Cassandra took Eleanor's last name. She's like, to. Make it appear that way, but no, they're they were lovers, right? When they speak to Cassandra, she openly admits to the cult, explains who the cult is, and she says they're spirit receivers, they're just misunderstood artists, they need to expand themselves. And she gives Annabelle a jar of paint, saying that. Eleanor made all the paint herself. She uses it and goes into artist frenzy and cannot stop painting. Melody goes to the Sands dinner, and when she walks into the apartment, she sees Jess there. She's like, Jess, what are you doing here? And she has a pendant that she's wearing that belonged to Eleanor that Cassandra had and she's like oh cassandra gave it to me isn't it pretty she's like yeah interesting right like at this point she's like this is all very suspect more people show up she gets to interview a couple more people from the viscer while she's there one of them makes the face masks for tamara's show for her opera And the other one is telling her how, like, she records soap operas and has, like, warehouses and all this stuff. Jess goes ahead and leaves. She's like, okay, you guys enjoy the dinner. Like, I'm leaving. Enter Evie Crest, who is the person that commissioned Dan to restore The Circle, which is the film that or the tv show that her dad had created after he had seen a snuff film which comes out during dinner and she's like you know they're pressing her for all these questions which is the part that starts to seem very suspicious to melody like where are they really pushing what this film is so they're pushing 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 and she's like i have no idea And it's Cassandra's idea. And she's like, oh, well, there's one way you can know. We can have a seance. She's like, oh, my God, a seance, really? Because we find out that Evie's father is obviously dead. Not only is he dead, he committed suicide. And she's like, no, I don't believe it. He would never abandon us this way. Eleanor also committed suicide. Very intriguing. I'm seeing a pattern here. And it's a pattern that is there throughout the whole show, I will get into it afterwards. So that all happens when all of a sudden the tuning forks come out and I was like, oh god, why are they doing this? So Beatrice is like, okay, you know, everyone hold hands, close your eyes, do a thing. Melody's amused, she's a skeptic, she's like, this is all such bullshit, right? until it works at this point Beatrice communicates with Evie's father and she's like daddy is that you Tamara tells her she's like no you have to ask him something that only he would know and she's like do you remember my sixth birthday party when no one showed up you gave me a book what was it he proceeds to quote a line from Emily Dickinson which also very just foreshadowing of everything she freaks out Cassandra pushes her, and she's like, ask him, and she's like, what, and she's like, ask him about the film, so he proceeds to say that, you know, it was a film that existed, a snuff film from her godfather's bachelor party, rich people, and Evie says they were all skull and bones types, right, so... They keep pressing, and then her dad freaks out, and he's like, stay away, stay away, stay away. And then he says, stay away from, and the connection cuts off. And Cassandra is pushing, and she's like, try again. And Beatrice is like, no. What did she see? Got on the nose, right? So then Melody gets up to leave. She's like, this is entirely too fucking much and they're pushing really pushing and the entire time during the sands, samuel and cassandra are just making eye contact with each other at certain points while she's pressing evie to ask about the snuff film for the circle (sighs) melody gets up to leave and cassandra stops her and she's like isn't there someone you want to ask about, Melody? Your mother, perhaps? And she's like, no, my mother's not dead. She's like, how do you know? How do you know for certain? They're also looking... It, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that happens. Gives Beatrice the name. She's like, her name was Julia Bennett. Gives her the ring. She's like, this used to belong to her. She's like, I'm sorry, I don't see her. I I don't see anything and she's like wait there's someone else and holds tight goes into a trance and proceeds to tell melody her conversations with dan that she's had in her dreams and he's had in his dreams word for word scary shit then beatrice dramatically claws at her own face eyes everything call a doctor she ends up in the hospital has a whole mental break. And that is the first half of this rating and review. We got four more episodes. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Do you like spicy cosplay? <laughs> Hi, my lovely hummingbirds. It's your girl and fro here today to let you know that you should follow the one, the only, Ella Loon, alias me, <laughs> on OnlyFans. Now, this is not sponsored by OnlyFans, but it is sponsored by me, and if you or someone you know loves cosplay and spicy cosplay, to say the least... Definitely head over that way and check it out. And full disclaimer, subscription price is $15 a month in order to cover makeup, costume, and labor costs in the creation of these looks. Yep, you heard that right. Spicy cosplay. Go ahead and check it out, my lovely hummingbirds. And I'll catch y'all over there. Now, go back to enjoying this episode of pop culture. How <laughs> was my sexy voice? Did y'all like it? <laughs> okay, bye. And we're back. Episode five. Beatrice is in the hospital. She warns Melody in the voice, though, however, of I think his name is John Crest, Evie's father. She's like, no, stay away. Don't let it get out. (laughs) What is trying to get out, you ask? Well, scary, whatever it was that Dan saw in those first couple episodes is trying to get out. Obviously, she's in the same hospital where apparently Dr. Turner works. And Melody goes banging on the office door. And she's like, come on, like, I'm trying to see Dr. Turner. And the secretary there lets her know that he is on leave shows up at his house and obviously she has that moment of like what the fuck am I doing am I seriously showing up at my therapist's house right now but she is goes in he's like fuck what is my patient doing in my house and she proceeds to tell him everything of everything that's going on the séance all of it looks in her bag and the tapes are gone and she's like no I'm not lying to you. I promise you I have the tapes. I'll get them. I'll send them to you. Before this, totally forgot this happened, but they already had a somewhat not okay interaction because Melody, after the incident where Jess has a seizure, she takes her to Dr. Turner to evaluate her. And that is where we first meet Jess's mom who did not give Jess permission to go see this doctor. So, when Melody shows up at his house, I'm thinking as a viewer, it was Jess's mom. She sent the anonymous tip that got him on leave, but then he proceeds to say that it was because he shared a student's information on a message board. And she's like, wait, you shared my information on a message board? And he's like, it's not you, <laughs> she's like, no? Like, what the fuck? She's like, why did you do that? Obviously pissed off, because what the fuck, doctor? And he's like, look, there was this person, he was doing research, and he was looking for patients that basically matched her profile. He's like, I met him once, he decided that your chart, that you weren't a match. He's like, I'm so sorry. That's when we see that Melody was essentially in a Catholic orphanage, where she was mistreated, if I'm completely honest, because she would draw very weird, like, ring-type kid drawings, if I'm completely honest with you. And that's when they're both like, okay, what the fuck is happening here? (laughs) Something's clearly wrong. So his family comes that's when she sees little dan because at this point she had already told the doctor like oh i'm seeing some like i'm having these conversations and i couldn't remember it and it's with this guy that says he's your son she's like oh your son's name is dan right and he's like danny but he's eight and she's like look i don't know but after the seance with beatrice like i could remember everything whole fucked up moment which you kind of start to see how she's kind of starting to lose it a little bit Oof, and it only gets better or worse depending (laughs) how you look at it she gets back to the visor and sees that annabelle is gone and she runs into jess in the elevator and jess is changing she has a jar full of stuff in it headed to the penthouse and she's like i'm sorry i can't tell you you know uh client confidentiality and she's like is it for samuel she doesn't say anything stays quiet when she doesn't see her she goes to cassandra starts banging on her door and she's like tell me where annabelle is she's like you were suffocating her she needs to be free and she needs freedom as an artist i put her in an apartment that i have on the sixth floor remember the sixth floor is forbidden (laughs) it feels like harry potter when they tell you (laughs) and remember all the first years (laughs) so obviously goes to sixth floor finds annabelle there who then tells her that she has a show that is being put on by cassandra She obviously goes into the big locked door that she shouldn't go into and discovers that there's all these people here huffing, rhythmically, of course, and meets Chris Lee, who Father Russo promised a bet to and a golden ticket, which is rehab. When he starts pressing her, you know, did he send you, did he send you, is it you? John Smith shows up, tells her, didn't I tell you the sixth floor was off limits, Don't fucking be here, basically. Chris then climbs out of a window, shows up at her window. She interviews her and is like, I have to confess to you, we're all here because... And she's like, what drug is it? Is it heroin? And he's like, no. It's the mold that grows in the building. It's called stardust. And he's like, Father Russo said he would help me. He goes back to the sixth floor. She goes to the church where... There is a memoriam for none other than Father Russo. At the beginning of this episode, they inform us that a man has died on the tracks. Apparently, he fell because he went to go help someone. His secretary says, I don't know, he he never went out that late, right? So she says, oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom. Breaks into his office as any level-headed person would go because you know at this point she's like i'm trying to figure this shit out breaks into his office and that's where she discovers that the good old padre was investigating samuel and that samuel is not who he seems to be in the building he is known as samuel spare but Father Russo discovered that he has had multiple identities, including Virgil Samuels, Alistair Spare, uh, what was the other one? Something Samuelson. And I'm just like, "Mm." obviously she's also like, who the fuck are you, Sam? Right? Not just that, but the father had uncovered a... Obviously, he had, like, books of a cult in his repertoire, which we saw in the previous episodes. And one of them, where all of Samuel's information is hidden, is where Melody makes the discovery of the Beltung Coven. Which, the insignia for the coven matches the markings on the ring that belonged to her mama that she left with her when she left her at the entrance of the orphanage where the nuns were and then here comes good old sam with the secretary lady to go into the office because he says that he needs the book back that he let father russo borrow and he's like i'm so sorry to do this now but you know i can't afford it on an adjunct salary and blah 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 blah. and i'm like but you can afford to pay for just to go to a neurotherapist and you can do all this stuff but can't afford a book i first off how much is this book secondly sus looking real sus mr samuel obviously melody's hidden underneath the desk <laughs> Pobrecita. she just keeps hiding in the randomest spots i'm like what is this, girl you good and he gets rid of the secretary because he touches her on the shoulder and he's like I know how fond he was of you. So that is like typical Catholic trope where the female that is working closely to the priest ends up falling for him, but she can't be with him because, you know, he is a man married to the cloth and belongs to God, unless it is crimen del Padre But Yeah, so that happens. When he's about to discover her, she comes back in and she's like, we're about to start the vigil now. And he's like, okay, leaves. Melody's like freaking the fuck out because she's like, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. He rips out a page from his date book. where Basically, it states that good old padre was going to go meet up with Samuel. She leaves, calls Dr. Turner and is like, oh, my God, this is what's happening. Basically gives him a whole update. And then Annabelle calls her and she's like, Yo, did you forget about my show? And she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Goes to the gallery. Someone actually buys the paintings, and Annabelle starts freaking out. And the person that helped her put it together, she's like, Then what the hell are you doing here if your intent wasn't to sell them? And she's like, To share them, to share them with everyone, blah, blah, but they're mine. Starts taking them down, shoves Melody. Melody, at this point, before all this altercation happens, finds out from Tamara that the person that Annabelle is painting, Cassandra, had a portrait of in her apartment. (laughs) Ah, The plot thickens. Looks around. Jess is there. And she's like, oh, well, Sam said that if I'm going to make art, I need to see more art the entire thing thing here with just though is that everyone keeps telling her and by everyone i mean cassandra and samuel that she holds an entire world inside of her she has the potential to hold a whole new world inside of her oh i have so many issues with that but we're gonna get into that later so then after this happened she sees sam for a brief second goes outside sees him talking to a man who has His back turned to us, dear listeners, and she turns on her camera, starts confronting him. You bought the paintings, didn't you? You bought them. It was you, because at this point, to her, it's Sam. He's the bad guy, right? And then Chris Lee falls from the sixth floor of the building and smashes into the, like, I mean, into the fucking concrete. Obviously, she fucking lets out a scream, freaks out. And then the person that Samuel was talking to reapproaches the scene, and I gasped about as badly as Dan did because it was none other than our vicarious CEO, Virgil Davenport. Oh, I know. What the fuck? Right? So, of course, Dan freaks the fuck out and begins to destroy the compound, because what else do you do, logically? Uh, ah! Enter episode six. Shows up Virgil at the compound, explains to Dan that, okay, the real reason why I'm getting you to restore all this is because Melody killed my brother. And he's like, What? No, she wouldn't do that. And he's like, Why? You know her? Just because you've seen her tapes from her point of view. And he's like, That's why I want you to restore them because when she got so upset and obsessed and found that Julia Bennett was not there and she couldn't find anything, she turned all that anger and frustration and derangeness onto my brother, who Yes, okay, he believed his own occult shit, but he was harmless. It meant nothing. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Uh, uh. And he's like, you know, how do you know she didn't start the fire? How do you know she didn't burn your family down and do all this stuff? And he's like, your father, he committed the fire. It was suicide in the end. Like, it whole thing, whole fucking thing where he really tries to spin it around. And he's like, you can walk out now, or like, whatever, right? Mm. Mm, 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 So then we find out, because Melody wakes up in an apartment that is not her own, it is none other than Samuel's apartment, leaves, goes to her and realizes that Annabelle is at the hospital, she gets a call, shows up, she's handcuffed doctor tells her that she broke a woman's jaw person that had set up the whole gala for her and she's like no this isn't her and he's like well was she taking in anything and she's like no she's never done any drugs and she's like what about mold and he's like well yeah if you're inhaling toxic neurotropic mold then she's like what if i can get you a sample the paint right she's like, it has to be in the paint, shows up, is screaming at Cassandra, has her pinned up against the wall, and Jess shows up, and she's like, shit, there's a child, and she's like, I'm so sorry, she's like, we have to leave now, she's like, I'm not allowed to see you anymore, and she's like, who said that, your mom, and she's like, you know, tilts her head down, and she's like, Sam, he says you're not well, good old Samuel, just looking out for everybody, isn't he, mm And she's like, no, you need to leave with me now. She scares Jess, who then drops the tea on the ground. And the tea has something funny in it. And she's like, oh my god, you've been poisoning her just like you did Annabelle. It's the mold, isn't it? And she's like, no, you're absolutely unhinged. You're going crazy. Convinces Jess to take her down to the basement where mold is growing, which is what was in the jar that she took to Samuel the other day pieces of this comet that are in the necklace, pieces of this comet that are in the paint that run through the building that is the stardust that has the people on the sixth floor hooked. Which reminds me, I totally skipped Samuel's other act of supposed kindness. He basically has everyone in the building convinced that he's renting that apartment out because his sister died of OD and he's doing a good thing by helping these people, by keeping them safe, locked in this apartment keeping them out of the cold. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. All of this sounds real sketch to me. During Dan watching all of the tapes, something happens where it kind of like ends up coming out a little bit like goo. It's real gross. But when he opens, the VHS player discovers, you guessed it, Stardust. (sighs) Y'all, I was so stressed the whole time. Okay, get into that later. But, discovers the stardust. Discovers that there is mold on all the tapes. The, everything. Everything has mold in it. Obviously, calls Virgil Davenport pissed. And he's like, oh, well, didn't you require two things? Did you get the other one? And he's like, Dan, are you in mental distress? Do you need me to get a doctor out there for you? Mm. Mm. So goes ahead continues to watch it realizes that melody confronts sam about everything in the basement and he's like oh my god i hate this man she's like what were you gonna do what were you gonna do to me sam admits to the cult reveals that they're trying to change the world of course and she's like oh my god you want to kill me and he's like no 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 we need you that was never the plan blah 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 so she's like where's Jess and he's like what what are you talking about she's like where's Jess goes to look for her Jess is gone and up shows Dr. Turner who then with Rockland people which is one is the hospital with I'm assuming they're Emmys from Rockland they take Melody whole freak out happens at this point dan discovers the mold while while he's getting the new setup and everything and discovers a video diary by t bellows obviously gauze's bestie and he's like yo mark i found t bellows he's saying he's seen something in the videos i see it too i'm freaking out He's like, I need to find out what's happening here. Something is wrong, right? Because that's when he discovers that Wellspring, DNA company that was part of LMG, was a front because they were looking for someone. And he goes back to the room. He tells Virgil Davenport, fuck your fishbowl, breaks all the cameras. And that's where... Good old Dan finds out that he is in none other than the viscer itself. Compound was built on top of the remains of the viscer building that burned down. Yep, eh, that's right. Whew, scary. At this point, though, he's already... He already transferred and digitized the last tape. When he did that, he sees Kylego, the demon, trying to get through the monitors, breaks all the monitors, goes, finds everything, and then gets knocked out himself. Episode 7, Dan wakes up in the city again. And of course, like any pissed off person would, goes to confront Virgil Davenport, who is not currently at lmg but he is at well of course you guessed it the compound he tells him lmg has no further business with you blah 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 he's like you know the doctors did say that you were very delusional and having hysteria and hallucinations and blah 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 he's like no you knocked me out he's like dan walk away and he's like you know arguing with him then Virgil proceeds to say one of my absolute favorite lines of the fucking show, where he says, Dan, do you really think anyone is going to believe you that I, Virgil Davenport, CEO of LMG, is a cult leader? And I fucking, I died. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, leaves, And, of course, does what anyone that has had to deal with corporate America does when they leave that fucking building screams at the top of his lungs because what the fuck is happening, right? Complete just what the fuck. At this point, his bestie, Mark, is there because Mark, during episode 6, went to none other than Dan's ex. Goes to his ex, and he's like, look, I know you went to the state sale. I know you got this. He's never going to forgive you for fucking the uh, filmmaker guy. He's like, so even if you do buy him his pony, but I can buy it off you, give me this. By the way, Mark loaded. His dad is loaded. He has a podcast. At a point, Davenport tried to buy him out. He was like, no, fuck you. And he's like, oh, well, I found that Dan was in a rehabilitation center on your dad's pocket and he's like yeah because he was sick and i care about him and i was trying to protect him and take care of him he's like it wasn't because of the breakup and he's like well help me i want to make sure he's okay in isolation and he's like no fuck you right love it i love that he sent this man to go fuck himself anyway (laughs) Episode 7 goes back to his apartment, sees Mark there, and he's like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? He's like, oh, thank God you're alive, right? He's like, I came for this. And it is a projector where they play the infamous snuff film. And in this episode, we are transported in time to none other than 1924 New York. And we are introduced to the Voss family. Iris Voss and her brothers are the ones that commissioned the statue of Kyle. They found it, it's shipped to them, and this is the first attempt to bring him into this world. You see the snuff film where they do the ritual, which we originally see the ritual being performed in the circle. The film or the series created by Evie's father. But we, the viewer, get to see everything and we find out a bit more detail of the spirit picture that Cassandra had of Iris in the apartment, which is what Eleanor kept painting. And you see it all happen all the way to the point where, like, the film burns because a giant fire breaks out, which how the fuck did this film survive? supernatural, as did the book that has the spell in it, obviously, but they summon him and the entire time is- you find out that Jess's sole purpose was to be a ritual sacrifice that was supposed to serve as a vessel for Kilego, just like Iris's maid that made it over here without any family pobrecita her family died when they were crossing the ocean to get to america and iris begins to groom her and ask her of her beliefs and she's like do you believe in god and she's like no ma'am how can i believe in a god that took my family in such a horrible way which is like oh my god she's like well what if i told you there is one that is beautiful and he's built creation and destruction and blessings and all this stuff and to her right she's like i can save humanity from itself but really she just wants a baby and she thinks that kylego will grant her a baby if she grants him passage into our world that's when we meet Emma Trelay, a poet and a Baldung witch, who is trying to take the book pack so that, and she's like, No, you witches, you tossed it away. And she's like, To protect humanity. And she's like, No, you wanted to keep them small. I'm gonna make them great. And she's like, Bro, no. Into the fight, whole thing, her brother comes out, shoots her. She's like, You idiot, we needed her. So she gets her other brother, which I that relationship with him fell long, so I'm not going to lie to you. There was something if going in there, but. <sighs> so, she tells her, grab her, put her in the tub, and we will collect all the blood that we can for the ritual. The following day, it's a party because Comet Karan is passing through and we are able to view it from earth, and everyone is excited, and that's when Robert leaves one of her brothers, one of Iris's brothers, because he's like, no, fuck this, like, these people in there think that you're throwing a party for this comet, but really, you're going to murder all of them as a sacrifice. (laughs) I know, I know, terrifying, and he's like, I'm not gonna be a part of this, but I can see myself out of it. She's like, tormented which is why I said that like I don't know if there was more than just a brother-sister type of relationship because apparently the boss last name wasn't even hers it belonged to her late husband who died in the war which is what she told her maid Rose who is going to be the next sacrifice so I don't know real iffy there that whole family iffy Mm. so they proceed to the basement and perform the ritual that was seen in the circle and oh my god her other brother is like where is he and she's like oh he left it's fine we can do it anyway they proceed with the ritual all the huffing and she looks at this poor girl that thinks that she's gonna save her and she's gonna let her see her family again she's gonna open this whole new world to her and she slits her fucking throat as part of the ritual. And I'm like, oh my god. In that moment when they see everything happen. And they they succeeded. They opened the portal partially. But instead of being able to suck Kailego out. Iris got sucked in. And the mansion burst into flames. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? And then Dan and Mark were also sitting dan's couch like what the fuck so of course the logical thinking here is we have to find someone from the (laughs) viscer is dan's reasoning mark tries to convince him not to do it he's like no dude like maybe we should just fucking leave it alone he's like no my dad tried to help melody and he failed i have to finish this i have to do this so he's like, Somebody has to be alive. That's when they remember Annabelle was not at the Viscer when it burst into flames. She was in the hospital. So they find Annabelle Cho, who is in none other than Rockland. They go to the hospital. They find her where they see all the paintings of Melody, and she's like, You must be Dan. What fucking took you so long? She hands them tapes that belonged. To Jess. And he's like, Jessica Lewis? And Mark's like, no, that's not possible. I searched for Jessica Lewis everywhere. And she's like, well, that's because she is now Sister Mary Cecilia. Yep, Jess went and became a whole nun. Which, you know, after all that shit, I don't blame her. I don't blame her just being like, fuck this. She was going to a trip to Haiti. They give. Dan and Mark call the tapes, right, Annabelle's like, you know, Jess said these were for you. So they proceed to watch it, and that's when they realize that, well, Samuel performed the same ritual at the Visser, which is what caused the fire, and oh my God, Dan's like, we have to save her he's like, my father failed to help Melody, so I have to finish it. I have to get her out of there if she's there. And Mark's like, bro, can we just leave this alone again? He's like, no. He's like, I know how to do this. I have to get Virgil Davenport to help me. So he goes thinking this man wants to save his brother. He doesn't. He just wants to harness Kaleco's power. It comes out and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Was that like your hail mary basically was at your ace in the hole you were thinking i was gonna want to save my brother fuck no so a fight ensues mark helps him knocks him the fuck out and he's like let's get out of here he's like no i he's like we basically we saw two videos we know how to do the ritual we know the spell and he goes down to wellspring where all the blood is because that's the blood of the belton witches wellspring was merely a front to collect blood from Baldung, which is fucked up, ain't it? They get the blood. They go down to the basement. The statue's there. Everything's set up. And then they're getting ready for the ritual when Bobby, the groundskeeper, shows up. She has a gun to Mark's head. And he, he's like, we need to save her. And that's when they find out that Bobby is none other than Julia Bennett, yep, she is Melody's mom. And she was working for Davenport because he was a means to end. So she tells her, fine, if you're serious about this, I can help you. And she's like, yes, I have no more magic. However, I have this. And it is a tuning fork that is at the correct frequency that is needed for them to open the portal. And it was so funny because at a point when he's like telling him I need to open this portal, he's like, "Is that why you have me here? You are very, very confused about our friendship. If you think I'm gonna let you sacrifice me for your ghost girlfriend, <laughs> I fucking died." I was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait at him. He's too funny." But I mean, facts, bro. <laughs> so they go down there. They open the portal, and she tells him, "You have five minutes." Five minutes to save the world. I know that's not the actual lyrics, but still. Tells him, you have five minutes. Tells, as long as I can keep the portal open. Plays the frequency. She's like, follow this sound back home. And she's like, I need to warn you. However, Dan Kylego is desperate. He's lonely and he will do everything he can to keep you there. Which we immediately see because... Pobrecito. <sighs> when he gets there he is confronted by his sister sitting there playing the piano he sits with her and he's like what are you playing and she's like it's a tune in A minor it's the same song that was part of the opera it's part of the humming that everyone's been hearing throughout the show which is the frequency to which Kailego responds and he's like no please stop His dad shows up and he's like, what are you playing? It's pretty. Which we see from a memory that Dan had when he's watching the tapes. His dad actually hates the fact that they're playing that sound because it was in Melody's tapes as part of the cult and everything that's happening at the Visser. So then Dan, bendito, sits down to have dinner with his family and realizes what's happening, and he's like, No. Gets up, leaves. Because they tell him, you know, he's like, No, none of this is real. You all died in a fire. His dad's like, No, we didn't die. We're all here, but together you're safe. And he's like, No. Runs to find Melody, who he then finds sitting at a church, which is the same one that is attached to the convent and the church school that she Was taken into because her mom left her there and she grew up and all that so she's like listening (laughs) it was so cute it was so 90s she had her walkman on and she's fucking listening to (laughs) joy division and (laughs) it was so cute and she's like no i have to stay here she's gonna be here and he's like no she's not he's lying to you She's like, did you come here for me? And he's like, yes, follow me. Let's go. Obviously, Kaleigo's pissed. And he's like, yo, no, she's mine. How dare you try to take her? So into the run to, like, get the fuck out of there. He's like, what the hell? We're supposed to be in the compound. He's switching channels to try and figure out, like, what's going wrong. Melody leaves because she hears the humming sound and is drawn to it. But it's Kaleigo trying to trap her again. And she screams because she sees his reflection in the window and in the mirror on the door. Dan goes, grabs her. They're running through the hallways trying to get out. They go all the way to the basement, but it's not even the basement. They're like on another floor. It's a trippy ass fucking maze because obviously he doesn't want to let them go, right? And he looks and he's back on that floor through the first door that he entered where his family was. And he kind of like is being drawn to it. For reference, his whole family died in a fire. I did say that, right? (laughs) My brain. And then, none other than Samuel Davenport shows up and grabs Melody, and the veil is there, and it is so thin. And Dan tries to grab her hand, but they both lose grip. And then shows up Melody back at the compound with her mom and Mark, and Dan is not with her. And that is the end of episode eight. Mark frantically asking, where's Dan? Where's Dan? And she's like, I don't know, he was with me. Oh, that's the end of it, that's the fucking end. And that is the end of the series because there's only one season. Came out earlier this year. Netflix, for some fucking reason, excited that they weren't gonna continue it. Uh my heart, it breaks because I loved it. The series is such a solid series. I'm not gonna lie. Not just biased because I love sci-fi and horror and all that, but it is a very well done series. Throughout every episode, even though there's so much going on the way that it was done, was very very well done because it keeps you very engaged throughout very binge worthy i say if you get a chance to definitely check it out a few points that i liked about the show was if there was this emphasis that they kept pushing onto everyone's mental health kind of like saying that the mold was obviously causing people to lose their minds to a degree where like evie's father like eleanor like we don't know dr turner committed suicide right because of the infection from it i think dr turner was killed i think virgil davenport did it but we don't know we will never know (laughs) because the episodes for the podcast also have not continued i got into researching it and it it doesn't seem like it's been continued, and I think maybe COVID had something to do with it. I'm not entirely sure. I have to do more research. I'll let you guys know on a different episode of Pop Culture, but <sighs> the whole series... First off, that whole lego lore is completely made up for the show. The language was completely made up for the show as well. I thought that was super fucking cool. While it is all false they did take a lot of parts from different aspects of like history that i think is super interesting because chiron fucking the ferryman transporting you know souls to the underworld the whole veil of another world the form in which Kailego keeps everyone prisoner reminds me of like Jins or like Krampus. Have you seen Krampus where like he keeps everyone in this perfect quote-unquote world, but really they're trapped. Reminded me very much of that. It reminded me of, you know, how they're Jins because of the whole dream talking thing and how they're connecting that way. So he has a way to infiltrate their dreams. Um... Toxic mold is a thing, and that can cause hallucinations, though, so that was very interesting that that was put in there. Obviously, meteorites are seen as very spiritual things, like pieces of tektite, which I have. So I was like, Lord, this is creeping me out. Uh, Also, the fact that films have, for a very long time, been seen as conduits, much so like mirrors are seen as conduits, Uh, phones, TVs are seen as black mirrors, and a form of transporting images, spirits, all of that, which I thought was very interesting. Spirit photography is a thing that used to happen back in the 1920s. I don't know if it still happens, maybe. Somewhere obscure, people are very into that still. Uh, I would be like, no, no, you know what? I'm cool, I'm cool, but not doing none of that. The seance aspect of it, research was very much so done. I was very, when <laughs> When Beatriz did the reading, for the tarot, I was just like, oh, are they going to fuck this up? I really hope they don't. And they didn't. It was done very well. It was very interesting. Obviously, they did have to tweak it for like, her intuitiveness has to be in touch with like, the character, duh, and like, what happened in Melody's life. Also, fact that her name is Melody, and you need a specific tune from a tuning fork from the Baldung witches, <laughs> and her mother is a dung. To reach it, it's so cute. And then Pendress, it reminds me of Pendragon, like King Arthur. <laughs> also, Virgil, Samuel, Daniel, like all these names are very found in like a religious context. Mm. So, I thought it was super interesting that they had all of that throughout the show, everyone's names, also Alistair Spare, that just, that was fucking hilarious. I I laughed, I'm not gonna lie, I laughed when I saw that. (sighs) I think the show was done very well. There was not a point while watching it that I was bored. I've seen some things that are done, like, very... In a similar fashion when there's so much of it going on that you kind of get bored after a while and you're just like, oh my god, get to the fucking point. But this one had a very, I don't know, intricate way of keeping you just enticed throughout. Even when you know that you're like bouncing back and forth between timelines, it kind of all feels so connected, which obviously it is, right? They did a really good job rating. I would absolutely give it a 10. It is an amazing show. I think it did really well. Solid 9 just because, you know, I would love for it to keep going, but unfortunately, it's not according to Netflix. So, I don't know. Have you guys seen it? What did you think? Did you like it? I like the whole creepy 1920s aspect to it because uh, El Espiritismo was definitely very rampant back then. Also, I love that they're called the Baldung Witches because Hans Baldung was a artist back in the 1500s where he had a keen interest on witchcraft. And, you know, the whole malis Maleficarum came up at that time, prosecution of witches and all that. But he had very specific depictions of them. So, I don't know. I think, well, there are a lot of aspects of it that are obviously fictional. There's a lot of aspects that hold a lot of basis in history and reality as far as to, like, belief systems. So, super interesting show. Like I said, it is a 10 in my book. I would have loved to have seen more of it, uh, especially because at the end, oh my God, I forgot to fucking say this part, but oh my God, at the end, we're like, where the fuck is Dan, right? Dan wakes up at what looks like Rockland and the nurse who to me looks a little bit like Cassandra, but I think it's just because she's a redhead. Y está media viejita también. So, you know. I was like, Cassandra? Wakes up, and she's like, oh, you're so fortunate. Were you close to your neighbors? And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, the viscer, apartments, honey, you survived. And he apparently he'd been in a coma for 10 days. And he's like, what? What year is it? And she's like, I'll go get the doctor. Wakes up, looks out the window. Well, looks up first, and there's a report from like what looks like MTV News about Kurt Cobain's passing. And then looks out the window, and you can't see his view, but in the skyline, like you see the Twin Towers. And he's just staring out this window, like, what the fuck? So, oh, it was such a cliffhanger. And it's like, is he stuck in the other world? Is it because he had to trade places with someone to, I don't know, is he stuck in 1994? Like, what is happening? And we will never know. (laughs) But (laughs) my pterodactyl screeches aside, um, I hope you guys liked the review. I hope you guys like my whole step-by-step breakdown of each episode. <laughs> and let me know if you saw the show. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And then, you know, comment and tell me what you thought of it. Did you like it? Did you think it was absolute trash? Did James Wan do a good thing helping create this show? I don't know. Let me know. But, yeah. Overall, 10 out of 10. Go check it out. I hope you like the makeup look that I created. 20s inspired for this episode. And that's it. As always, les mando mucha paz. Muchos besos. Y les recuerdo que miren hacia la luna. Sending you much peace, many kisses. And reminding you to always look up at the moon. I love y'all. I'll catch y'all on the next one. Follow me on all of my handles. At elalune, at dressestwifee, at Robuscus and yeah, okay, I love you guys, bye!